0: Hi, my name is Jamie Lynch, and you are listening to Eating Habits, my podcast about everything restaurants. I will explore the human element of the hospitality business, and I'll talk to the who's who in restaurants, explore their stories, and hear what's on their minds in the ever-changing landscape of the food and beverage industry.
1: This is eating habits, and I am the guest on uh, today's podcast. I am a uh, chef, Jim Smith. I am the executive chef and owner of the Hummingbird Way Oyster Bar, which is located in Mobile, Alabama.
0: Good job, Jim. <laughs> that might have been that might have been the best intro of all. <laughs> you it's, know it took us a year to get it right. <laughs> you know, on a,
1: on Top Chef, a bunch of the people who did. Uh, you know, the you know, to take you to the to do the the interviews, they would yeah. call me like one 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 take gym, a bunch of them because just like they would say really? they would so, say, How do you feel about this? I'd say, Oh, I feel like this So that like, was your secret weapon. You yeah. were the one that would just <laughs>
0: sat in the chair and was like, Boom, done. Yeah. I'm out. In in one and out. shot. Yeah. Good one take gym. I,
1: you... I like that nickname, Yeah. You
0: know? That's good. I like that yeah. one take gym. <laughs> yeah. Is is your food like that? Is it one take and you're you're good on the plate? Because I'm curious.
1: Yeah, well, you know, like to me, developing food is always crazy. Um, Like I will make a dish and maybe the first time it comes out, I like it. But then I'll start to realize that like I really research food when I make it. Mm -hmm. And to me, I tell this, I give this piece of advice to students and to diners and people who are interested in making a dish. Somebody says, oh, yeah, like how do you how did you come up with your biscuit recipe and i tell them like i went to the internet and every cookbook i have and looked up every biscuit recipe i could find you're talking about hundreds of biscuit recipes yeah and then you start to read them all and you can start to draw these through lines from you know, oh, this, this has this kind of ratios and these are the kind of ingredients. And then you start to see, well, there, there are these patterns when you're developing food. And the more of those patterns that connect, chances are good that's what you should be including in your recipe. So, yep. you know, I like to really digest like, and consume all this information. And then what comes out the other end is what I like to call my recipe, right? Right, right, But, yeah. it, but it's involved from research and practice yeah. and, you know, like taking what other people, you know, if... Three people's grandma's biscuit recipe includes the same tip about, you know, how to, how to, what to do with the butter. And you're like, well, maybe this is a good tip and I should try it. So So
0: typically when you're, when you're working on a recipe like biscuits or whatever, maybe it's pasta dough or it's bread dough or whatever, how, like, what do you look for when you're like, okay, this is good. This is done. I can work with this. This is good enough to serve my guests or whatever.
1: I, well, I mean, to me, that, or, or, that, is there, or, no, or is there ever an end? That, that's a tough question. You know, like, uh, what, what is the famous phrase about, like, you know, a work of art is done when the, when the artist, you know, like walks away, yeah, yeah. you know, and it may never really so be you done. Put the brush down yes, or whatever. Put the brush down and walk away, <laughs> yeah. you know, and not to say that, you know, my biscuit recipe is a work of art, but you know, you get to be a point where you taste it and you taste it and you change it and you tweak it and you're like, I this is where I want it to be. You just sort of, yeah. for me, it just sort of, you know, like yeah. when those, all those ingredients, sing together in the right way which makes something cohesive and balanced and structured and all the kind of ways that we want for a dish to be in the end like sometimes as a chef you just kind of feel it like okay that that's it you know what i mean like yeah. that's it i used to work for this guy who would say this dish eats like a champ you like you kind
0: you <laughs> of know like
1: like once it's on the plate and once it feels good you're yeah. like yes okay this is it this is there
0: what is your, so at the restaurant, at the Hummingbird Way, what is your creative process? Obviously you do your research, you kind of, you have an idea, I imagine of like what you want to be yeah. playing with. Is it, is it based on what you think the guests want or is it what Jim wants to cook? Is it what's like, how do you it, kind of get there? How it, do you It is for that?
1: sure some of both. And you know, like living in a small town market where, you know, maybe people aren't pushing the envelope of food boundaries very much. I like to make things that are both sort of um, familiar, but also push the boundaries of what people locally are willing to try. And that always starts with what, what, what are the farmers walking through my back doors with, you know, like what is available seasonally and locally, you know, what kind of fish is being caught, you know, are, is, is crabbing shut down because of the pandemic, you know, or mm-hmm. the cold weather. Uh, and so you start with, you know, for me, I always start with what's available. And then I think about, you know, like, well, if I know that traditionally fennel, fennel is paired with these, italian ingredients naturally and those other italian ingredients are also available at the time you know and Mm -hmm. i sort of start this this process you know and it it just sort of takes me from there i do like to push our guests but i don't like to push them too far you know like i'm not trying to be a snob about it i'm not trying to be a jerk about it yeah but you know if i discover i'm sorry about that my my r2d2 going off there Uh, (laughs) if i start to discover you know if i feel like um i they're good they're they're cool ways to sneak in things that are modern and, but do it in a familiar way. And that's really where I start. You know, yeah. it starts with what's available, what looks good, what are those things that I can historically research and generate, you know, like ingredients that are always paired together or, you know, like a, what's available at the time, then really just launch from there.
0: Yeah, What? And so you're in Mobile. Yeah. So what is like, what is popular around there? Like what is it, like what kind of ingredients, what kind of stuff are you guys, seeing consistently either throughout you know the year or you know seasons that that show up often. And also the other question is, you know, I think of Mobile, I think Southern. Yeah. Like straight up yeah. Southern. Is that is that a good or yeah. or is it is it more than that?
1: It, well it is it, it, it is Southern, but it is also different. Um Mobile, here's a little history. Uh, Mobile is the original French capital of the colonies. Oh,
0: cool. I didn't know um,
1: that. And so it is very much like like all the streets are named the same things like New Orleans is. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, we are very, very close to New Orleans. Um, and what happened is the French lost the French and Indian War and had to move their capital. So the capital then moved from uh, Mobile to New Orleans. What that means is that Mobile is the original birthplace of Mardi Gras in the United States. Mm. Um, all of the sort of same Creole influences that you get from... What people you know typically think of as New Orleans cuisine yep. are all are all in from Mobile. Okay, the, cool. uh, the first written recipe of jambalaya is from a you know a church cookbook in Mobile, um, and so there's a lot of those those kind of things that make it a little bit different than like what is Atlanta South or what mm-hmm. is Charleston South. Yep. You know, and totally. Mo- Mobile is located on a bay that uh, feeds into the Gulf of Mexico, which makes this very unique kind of seafood city mm-hmm. and area, and so that's really. That is for sure where it is. It is Southern, but it's definitely more that French Southern Creole that, that real kind of intense influence in the in the cuisine. Now, stuff that's available all year is really odd to me because even I moved front to Mobile from Montgomery. Montgomery's like central Alabama, which is still very southern and very. But you know, there is a tomato season. One thing about when you move farther south, like to Mobile, it's almost tropical all the time. Like yep. I can get really good tomatoes right now. Yeah, uh, you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah. Like, and so there's have got
0: heirlooms like, in, in February, yeah. and yes. people are like, "That can't be," and you're like, "Well, it, yeah. it is here." Yeah,
1: field peas are still like I <laughs> yeah. but like I get field peas year round. You know, like lima beans and butter beans and creamers, and you know, like yeah. just because if the farmers are growing them, I'm going to be buying them. You know, yeah, yeah, like, for and, sure. And so it does mean that like there are like weird summertime ingredients in my winter dishes, which would not happen, you know, three hours north of where I live now, you know, just because of that's what's available and that's what's growing. And you know, yeah, if tomatoes grow year round, more more power to those farmers. I'm freaking buying them. Yeah, totally, because
0: fresh tomatoes are bomb, dude. (laughs) Uh, I remember I wouldn't even eat tomatoes until I had like a a legit uh, heirloom tomato that was like farm fresh. Because like to me, they were always watery and mealy and the texture was nasty. And I was like, that's not a good vegetable. I don't know why people use that. And um, but then when I had that first heirloom tomato, I was like, holy shit, this is like, this is like candy. It's like a juicy fruit candy. Um, and now I just won't use Like I won't use fresh tomatoes in the winter unless I guess if I was immobile. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, it's just wild. it's wild to me. Like I wouldn't buy this stuff, you know, like when I first started realizing that tomatoes were available in December, I was like, this, these can't be good. Yeah. But then, yeah, yeah. then, you know, like I ordered this, you know, like heirloom cherry tomato case and it's like, they're delicious. They taste yeah. like summertime tomatoes you amazing know? and it is it's really it's it's wild how you know yeah. what what happens yeah seasonally as, places, as you move yeah. up and
0: down the climate zones and yeah. stuff that's that's crazy i wonder you know you you actually sp- sparked a thought that i'm curious about now i'm gonna have to reach out to some people is um, uh, how does that affect the pest population in the agriculture because like uh-huh. when i had the farm that was something that we always dealt with is like how do you control pests how do you deal with that and having that kind of constant temperature means that they don't die off yeah. So how do they, I mean, they got to have some pretty awesome regiments to,
1: yeah. to, to I, I, keep I, that going. I, I, I'm sure. I'm, I, you know, I expect probably lots of the farmers are hoping for like one, that one freeze that kills a bunch of stuff off. Yeah, you know, right. and, and we did have like a, a wildly cold, like two weeks, uh, you know, in December, but that's yeah. been like it. It's been largely like it is here today, like yeah. all winter. That's and spring, awesome. You know, like, yeah, it's sunny and 70 and you
0: know, what, um, let's talk a little bit about seafood. I know you, you're kind of big on the seafood. I know that you, you, do you still serve on the board for Alabama seafood? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm the chairman of the Alabama seafood marketing commission. Yeah.
0: You're, you're all about that life. Yeah. I it for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, the seafood marketing commission was formed, uh, after the Gulf oil spill.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so, you know, there was a long period of time where the Gulf seafood industry was just like, are people ever going to buy our food again? You know, people are worried about, you know, is there oil in the seafood? Is there contamination? Contamination. And And, you know, it's people are shocked. You know, you see all of those images on the screen of like the oil plumes in the ocean Mm -hmm. and people remember, you know, the Exxon Valdez and all the sort of like all the terrible things that are associated with oil spills. Um, but you know we fun- the, the the commission was founded by the governor of alabama at the time and i while i was a state chef and he, i honestly i got lucky that he would even think about putting me on this board because most of the board is other you know more like farmers or more like fishers and growers and you know big seafood industry people but um at first our whole issue was about sort of testing seafood making sure it was safe and then getting that word out and we really have done such a good job with that over the past eight years that there there was a long time when we were basically like, don't ever talk about the oil spill. Just talk about how great Alabama seafood is. <laughs> right, right. But, yeah. but now we're push, like. Push the narrative. Like this y- is the. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but now it's more like we can talk about it in an almost sort of a nostalgic way because, you know, like this, this great thing that we've done and formed to promote, to promote <laughs> seafood um, was born out of this like weird time of uncertainty and, you know, environmental disaster. And um,
0: yeah, it's great. Well, uh, I think that's, I think that's a good education for people too, that like. The natural world is an amazing place and can fix itself if we don't continue to fuck it up. Yeah. Right. Like if, if, you, if you pause, you take a break, you treat it right. Like nature will fix itself. Like, I mean, I had um one of my, one of my good buddies um, from low country oyster here in Charleston was on the podcast talking about, you know, oysters and how amazing they are at environmental cleanup, right? Like they are the cleaners, the fixers for, for all of our pollution problems, um, and then we should just have oysters yeah. everywhere, right? Yeah. Um, so, so that's a good that's a good note yeah. that like. Um, there are cool things on our website.
1: Like, if you want a business plan on how to open an oyster aquaculture farm, if you go to eatalabamaseafood.com, dot you can find a business plan that will tell you like what like the permitting you need. And very This is specific to Alabama, but right? Right. It'll tell you the permitting and like which agencies to talk to, and you know how to go about you know developing the you know the equipment that you need and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Like
0: that's awesome. Just because because you got to yeah because yeah, it's good Yeah, like, to like, promote that yeah to promote that that's awesome
1: yeah the the seafood board originally it did start just to make sure that people were aware that hey it's okay to eat shrimp that's caught in the Gulf of Mexico but now we do focus on things like you know we sustainability and you know working like being able to geolocate for people like where to where to go to find Alabama mm-hmm. seafood you know and so like you can just uh, look, open your phone and you can find a reputable restaurant or you know, a grocery store that always has you know Alabama crab, you know yeah. those kind of things on there. So we do a lot of a really lot of good good work, I think.
0: Cool. Um, what what kinds of of fish and seafood specifically? Obviously, um, shrimp and crab is, yeah. is big. Oyster is big. What other kinds of fish are you guys using or seeing? Um, is it mostly inshore stuff, or are you are you getting? L- we
1: we get both for yeah. sure. Uh, we definitely get both. I mean, the Gulf of Mexico is just.
0: It's huge. It's huge. Yeah, and yeah. There's you you so think much of it as like a bay there. and it's like, it's it's a small ocean.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, But it is
0: shallow, right? Like, it's pretty shallow, the y- Gulf. It
1: is for sure shallow. Yeah. And in fact, Mobile Bay is a huge bay. Like, if you look at it on, on a map of Alabama, the, the bottom part of Alabama, it makes this, you know, the Gulf of Mexico and then it cones up into the bay. Like, uh, Mobile is at the top of the bay. But, you know, most of the bay is like 20 feet or less and yeah, these it, yeah. sort of like, are like miles and miles of bay right uh and so things like flounder are like crazy yeah, strong like there, and crabs yeah. are everywhere and actually that's the, the birthplace of uh the jubilee like the word jubilee
0: okay uh
1: and that's the thing that happens when the tides are a certain way in mobile bay all of the you know the tide recedes and then like all and the oxygen is so low in the water that you know all of the flounder and everything are they're like Moving up to the shoreline, and you could just like walk out and like pick up floundering crabs. Yeah, crab. just, just grab them yeah, right that, out of the water. Yeah, then that's what, that's what the, that's where at least the, the term Jubilee comes from as it relates to seafood. Uh, that's amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, that's really cool. But, you know, <laughs> have we, you
0: done that? I,
1: I, the thing about the Jubilees <laughs> is like you've got to know somebody who's like watching the bay yeah, at, like, and like hey, midnight. We've you know got, like? we've yeah. got,
0: Forty minutes yeah. of time. It, now it's, let's go. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's hard to predict, but yeah. you know, like once, yeah, you know, once if you know somebody yeah. who's like watching the waters you know, like and like knows yeah, the like thing. the jubilee is about to happen, you're like you're yeah. go out and grab some, you know, <laughs> you know some some spears and like gag some grouper and you know flounder and yeah. just sort of get going. So, <laughs> no, it's cool. Um, it's real cool, but yeah, as far as fish go, honestly, you know, Alabama processes. Sometimes we process more blue crab than Maryland. We are way up there on sort of like the crab mm-hmm. processing. Uh, A lot of shrimp, tons of shrimp come through Alabama and oysters. Very few fin fish are processed in Alabama. And actually, I don't know anybody processing actual fin fish in Alabama, but most of the fin fish we get comes from like Pensacola and Destin, which is uh, my my, Pensacola is like like 20 miles from my house. And so we're sort of like right in that area, right on the Florida, Alabama line, Mm -hmm. Mississippi. I mean, Mississippi and Louisiana, too, are really close. That's sort of that stretch of land there. Okay. Um, but yeah, we get awesome we get awesome fish, you know, like snapper, grouper, you know, lots of secondary species. And we like, let's most- talk about that a little yeah, bit because that's sure. interesting
0: because that's something I'm kind of interested in now that, you know, we've got Tempest here and um, we're, we're hyper focused on South Atlantic seafood, right? Like that's our jam because it's where we're at. And I want to kind of push that narrative. And so we've been looking a lot at those secondary species mm-hmm. like you're talking about. So talk about that a yeah, little yeah. bit and what species do you guys have that you like to use? Do you um, think is good eating yeah one of
1: my favorite are B-liner snappers mm-hmm. and those are they look almost exactly like a red snapper they eat like a red snapper they're always smaller fish. Yep. you know they're not big fish
0: yeah well they're um, usually like what like a pound and a half two pounds yeah, so like is, that's a big one two yeah, pounds is a big one yeah like, and
1: we buy them whole as as one pound fish and I almost always serve them whole yeah and they make a really good size to eat uh and then they're like hundreds of snapper species and almost all of them taste the same yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what i mean You're totally and they're, they're 100%. delicious you know yeah. like whether the skin is red or not or yellow or striped or whatever yeah. you know like they almost all eat exactly the same and you know that's odd that that's really delicious fish you know there are things like porgy which i really like um i really there's just a, a ton, like a, alternate species of grouper. Grouper is one of those fish you got to be careful of because they're they are so overfished. But mm-hmm. you know there are 20 species of grouper that are abundant, and as long as you're not ordering, you know, like it, honestly, most Gulf grouper is on the safe to eat Monterey Bay list right now. But mm-hmm. you know, like there's Kitty Mitchell and there's Red and there's Black and you know there's Scamp. There's Scamp
0: and, and there's all tons. Those guys there's the,
1: there's sort of the fish that are kind of like grouper that are like from here, like wreckfish for sure. Yep. I think is a grouper family which I love, which is yep. secondary species. Um, but really whenever you get the chance to order a secondary species, you really should, you know, overfishing is a giant problem. Yep. And lots of people are taking really good care of the fisheries. Like in Alabama, for instance, we, there was a time when red snapper, you couldn't, you could not harvest red snapper for commercial fishing. Mm -hmm. And so the state of Alabama decided that we were going to make a bunch of artificial reefs. And so we, we sunk a bunch of boats offshore and we created these artificial reefs. Now, it took us a while to convince uh, NOAA and the Monterey Bay Aquarium that the species had rebounded enough to take it off of the do not you know, yeah, eat, eat, or eat or fish list. list yeah. yeah, and so, I mean, it took some science and some convincing, but ultimately it was done, and it makes the Alabama area of Red Snapper like one of the best examples of a rebounding population really in the country. It's an example that everyone points to, and it's just because we, we made people stop fishing for a little bit. Yep. We made reefs, and then— the species and then now like you can't. It's hard to catch something that's not red snapper sometimes, just because they are they're like <laughs> they're aggressive everywhere. and they're everywhere, yeah. which is awesome. You know, like yeah, because yeah, they're you, delicious yeah, too. They're delicious. That's what yeah. you want. There are other things like uh, <clears throat> invasive species are a huge deal, and I don't know if lionfish have made it up here yet, but it, they probably yeah. will soon. Yeah,
0: I think they've seen some, but it's not like they're not prevalent yeah but they have seen some and they're like there, there's some murmurs about like oh shit like once this happens yeah you're gonna have to go after them
1: yeah I And mean, I'll, I'll tell you um lionfish are freaking delicious yeah like if you ever have a chance to eat or buy live. It. it's yeah, awesome it is a wonderful fish they are so good to eat and um because they eat everything yes they, they eat,
0: eat they eat like everything down there that makes their flesh like sweet and yes. delicious it's almost like i think of it as like a monkfish
1: yeah they're like, a like, lot of crustaceans they're yeah. breaking up rocks they're just sort of slowly they don't move very fast because they don't have to right and people are like oh aren't they poisonous and they are mildly poisonous but honestly it's very easy to clean them if you're a chef you can either some people like scissor off the the, the, spines. the spines but honestly if you just sort of like hold your hand over the spines like yeah you know, don't chefs, let them don't chefs, let them pop up yes, chefs who break down fish will understand yeah. that like it, those you, fins will get those you. those fins will get you even if <laughs> yeah. they're poisonous or not <laughs> yeah, so yeah, you're know, like so you, you be learn careful. you learn quickly how to avoid them and really yeah. you just fillet them like a normal fish they're really easy to deal with but the thing that makes them so most people think that they started in Miami. Like people were just like tired of having them in their fish tanks, so they would just drop them in the waters in Miami. Yeah, like in the the canals in Miami. Right. And so they have they have no natural predators because they are poisonous.
0: Yeah, well, and, and they're, they're they're spiny. Like they're you spiny. get like yeah. other fish would eat them because yeah. they're delicious, but yeah. you can't get to them because yes. they have those poisonous yeah. spikes
1: yeah and so they have no natural predators and then they've they've spread all the way you know all the way around the gulf of mexico and mm-hmm. they're starting to go up the atlantic now they're definitely a tropical fish so i you know how far will they how get how far will they get is kind of a question but yeah. you, i mean i mean species well the the, they the, change, the issue
0: know? is like the, the gulf stream right like yeah. Yeah, all that warm water is being pushed north so like they can mm-hmm. they can take you know the, the the waters are creeping warm you know north so like we'll see how far they get yeah um so do you do you cook with lionfish whenever they're available i always buy them and we have a lionfish uh, rodeo in alabama
1: which is kind of cool
0: <laughs> um, okay <laughs> do, do, <laughs> do tell do tell uh, it's basically <laughs> the where images of, are firing off in my head now well it's
1: basically where a bunch of people it's like a like a fishing contest yeah. right like everybody I mean, just goes out everyone in their goes boats. out and tries yeah. to get them
0: they're in dinghies they're in yeah. boats they're in
1: <laughs> the other thing the other thing that makes them really hard to catch is they they won't take a cook either so you okay. have to basically dive for them um, and people are getting really creative on how to catch them. Like I've seen contraptions, which are like vacuum cleaners that people strap on, <laughs> on their backs so that basically like suck up, they the, suck them up like really fast. And they have like a
0: filter in there that catches yeah, they, them. Well, they catch it.
1: Yeah. They go on there they're <laughs> just on their back and you see them unload. I've also seen people like, um, modify guns that can shoot underwater, like Glocks yeah. to be like spear pistols that people are using to, to take care of them. Yeah. Um, and so people are getting really creative as to like how to catch them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, they're one of the
0: spear fishing is the big thing yeah. that everybody's doing in Florida yeah. and like stuff like that. They just spear for them.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. You've yeah. got you've got to dive for. Them. Yeah. And so
0: do you guys have a lot of um uh, like sport fishing going on around there? Like people come to to Mobile and like they have like the sport boats that go out fishing for snapper or whatever. Yeah. Or, well,
1: Very close to it? Mobile. Um, you know, we're really Mobile is very close to the Alabama beaches, which are gorgeous. And that's really where all of the charter fishing boats uh, launch from. And there gotcha. are a lot of them. Um, and it is really good fishing in the Gulf. I mean, we're just, it's the bay. The bay is the bay. It's really weird. You know, like it's a large, shallow, flat strip of land, you know, water that has a lot of really good stuff in it. But you know, the really, the sort of the sport fishing is, is a a little bit farther south of the bay.
0: Gotcha. Cool. All right. So, um, let's talk about what brings you here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: been, I think you and I met in Charleston for Season 14, oh, yeah, Top I was, I was Chef. Remember I that? Think, I
1: was trying to think of a non-Top Chef thing that we may have met at in yeah. Charleston. No, we definitely no. met here in yeah, Charleston. We met, we met
0: here in Charleston. The top that was, Chef. Yeah. yeah. And um, so, and I think you've been, back at, you've been back for Wine and Food multiple yeah, I times. I missed you last year. Were you here I did. last yeah, year? Yeah, no, I didn't. I think yeah. last
1: year was the first year back, right? Yeah.
0: Well. Or was it? We had, we had one pre-pandemic. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then pandemic kind of shut it down for a minute. Yeah. There might have been one or two pre-pandemic. I don't know. My time is all messed up. Yeah, but is it? But was this last year your first? Last
1: year was the first year I done okay. wine and food, and
0: I missed you last year. How was? No,
1: we met into each other briefly.
0: Did we? Where I, we? It where was we? very
1: briefly. I was doing a demo, we like and you were yes. You were. Oh, I
0: ran up and said, "Hey!" While you were on stage. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. I remember that. Yeah, I,
1: I, I found you afterwards for a, a very brief hug after yeah, the yeah. after the event on uh, the last day. So. but yeah, it's Charleston uh, wine and food is here. I'm uh, here cooking at my buddy's restaurant, uh, Anthony Marini. Uh, his restaurant's called The Pass, which is a really cool sandwich shop. Um, and, uh, Anthony, uh, there's lots of sort of Italian inspired sandwiches. It's not just an Italian sandwich shop, but, uh, my buddy, Anthony loves to embrace his Italianness, ness And so it is <laughs> yeah. for sure. There's a lot of, a, a beautiful, like Italian kind of sandwiches. And he does lots of really cool stuff. Honestly, I'm really proud of him. Like he was, I worked for him years ago in Birmingham and he's an amazingly talented chef. He really gets it. He was a culinary school teacher for a while. Just one of those guys who one of the chefs who I just have a ton of respect for. Like I, I learned so much from this guy and I'm really glad to see he is just crushing it here in, in Charleston yeah. with, with the sandwich shop. You know, that's the thing yeah, is, yeah. That, you know, like, and uh, yeah, I was, we were at the kickoff event I was, you know, hanging out with him last night and he was doing like some, uh, tasting menus in the sandwich shop kind of in the evening in cave, you know, like a couple of week and people are like, like no lie. Like probably 40 people were like, hey, when are you bringing back those dinners at the sandwich yeah. shop? You know, people are like chomping at the bit to eat his food and uh, it makes me really glad that the sort of uh, Philadelphia Yankee, you know, uh, guy has has done so well in the South. That's
0: know. awesome. I have not met him yet. You have to get us yeah, connected. Yeah, I'd, yeah. Love, I'd love to, to to pick his brain. And maybe his sandwiches
1: a... really are yeah. fire. Like everything cool. he's making there is really cool.
0: Awesome. I'll definitely check it out. Maybe I'll come try to swing by while you're yeah, year yeah. around. You know, Charleston's interesting in in a way that like it's it's not a huge town right it's 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 a small city and um so the population isn't huge here but there's a lot of um tourism and stuff like that the dining culture here is really good like people are willing to give things a shot you know like a, like a chef run sandwich shop right? like people will get behind stuff like that yeah. if it's good right and if it's consistent and they and and you deliver right if you deliver people will get behind it um we started doing this tasting menu night at Tempest. Mm-hmm. Um, just for me, because like I'm opening restaurants all over the place and it's like, I'm not on the past the way that I used to be running the kitchens, the way say, and I miss it. My yeah. connection to like the, the, the um, you know, my guests and stuff like that. So, so we are hosting this tasting menu thing and we got like really great feedback on it. Like people came out for this multi-course thing and really excited about something different, you know? Um, and so it's super fun and there's a lot of cool stuff to do. Yeah. I, I love
1: the scene in Charleston and Mobile. is a lot like Charleston. You know, a lot of these coastal cities have a mm-hmm. really similar kind of feel, you know, yep. Charleston, Savannah, you know, New Orleans even. Yep. And, you know, Mobile is a lot like that, even smaller than Charleston. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, you know, like that's one of those things, like lots of chefs are, you know, leaving New York city and, you know, like they want to go to places where they don't have to spend $10 million to open a restaurant. Like, yep. you know, and that's why I'm in Mobile, you know, like after being the state executive chef for eight years, you know, like I tried to find investors, you know, like good yeah. luck trying to find people to give you money. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. and, you know, I tried that, you know, like, <laughs> and people who I like who are friends of mine who are like crazy wealthy, like, I like, try to get somebody to loan you $100,000 It's hard. Yeah, it's really difficult. So, you know, like if you're in a smaller market, you'll get a better deal on a building. And like the building I'm in now is a historic area and it was part of it was a teaching uh, it was a teaching restaurant for a Virginia college culinary school, which, you know, all of Virginia colleges shut down like five mm-hmm. or six years ago. And they had a bunch of culinary schools and these restaurants associated with the culinary schools. And so, you know, when the college shut down, they just locked the doors. And so, you know, here's this space with yeah. equipment. And, they, yeah, you know, they, like, they
0: had a restaurant yes. operating in it.
1: Yes. And so. Cool. You know, I scrounged every penny I had and yeah. said sort of like, Hey, here, here it is. You know, yeah. like I'm, I'm, I'm pushing all in. And so we opened on January of January 7th of 2020. You're like, nice. what else could go wrong? I finally yeah. get my <laughs> dream yeah. restaurant. Yeah. Wah, wah. I, I, I poured every yeah. penny into uh, this thing that I own and, uh, you know, uh, there you go.
0: So how did you make it?
1: I, you know, I little, mean, that yeah. had to have
0: been devastating, right? It was it's totally like, devastating.
1: Like, you know, like, my, like yeah. I'm
0: realizing my dream. <laughs> I'm like, I'm making it happen, and then the, just the the carpet gets ripped out from under you. Yeah, right? that's
1: that's uh, that's it exactly. You <laughs> yeah. know, like, uh, um, it, yeah, yeah. January seventh, twenty twenty, was opening night. And you know, like, like every chef during the pandemic, you try to figure out like, what do you need to do? Like, and lots of chefs, chefs, I feel like, made the wrong decisions, and lots of chefs made like just overreacting, like, you like, do you really need to change your concept six times to get people to come in? Probably not. Like if you've mm-hmm. been in an established restaurant, you yeah. probably don't need to switch from a seafood restaurant to a pizza joint just because you think you can do more t- to go sales. Right. Yep. And so I think a lot of people have made mistakes, but for us, it was just like, I'm just going to do what I do. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to be me and my wife every single day doing curbside and to deliver to go and, you know, being in the South. People were more, way willing to quickly get through the, you know, reopen up dining room spaces. And yeah. we were definitely the last in our area to do that kind of stuff, but still way ahead of the natural, the national curve. Right. Um, and, you know, it's just one of those things like nobody knows, like you, you follow the CDC instructions, you, you, you. You go to your, I mean, honestly, the, the there were talks with James Beard Foundation, like like once a month, people in your region like getting together on Zoom calls to talk about this is working for me and that's working for me, and you know, living in the South also means that I didn't have to buy things like a, I didn't have to buy a, a, the special air filters, you know, right? Yeah,
0: they, and, you had a little bit, a little bit more lenient kind yeah,
1: of, yeah, definitely more lenient, but you know, I I did what everybody did, you yeah. know, like I just you know strapped in, you know, got down and just to try to figure out what to do every single day.
0: Were you able to get any of the, any of the help, the financial help from any of that?
1: It was wildly difficult for us. Yeah. Um, we did finally get some PPP money, but like things like the, um, um, shoot, what's the, the, the big the, one at the very beginning, uh, the
0: EIDL
1: idol, the idol. Yeah. We were not able to get any idle loans. And honestly, because you know, like when you open a restaurant in January, the pandemic hits in March, Right. you know, your people are give, giving restaurants tons of money and it's all based on your previous two years of sales. Well, you like-
0: You got it, no set, you're yeah, like, I've there, got- Yeah. There's,
1: there's nothing. Two months of sales, yeah, there, what are you to do? Yeah, like, uh, I would be happy to make an average of 12 months uh, based off of this one month of sales we have. Yeah. But finally they loosen the restrictions because you know, the people realize that there were lots of people who were in the same situation that I was. So, you know, like, right. yeah, how do you show how much money your restaurant is worth? when, you know, you have a month of business to look at. Right. And so, but yeah, we eventually got that help. And, you know, I think that sort of the same thing with that. I think a lot of people made wise decisions. I think a lot of people made poor decisions. I think that, you know, there's going to be a time, like I think that some people I like, kind of get suspicious about like there's like rapid expansion of like concepts and restaurants that I kind of give a little bit of a side eye to, I think that probably, you'll see a lot of places that our people are trying to expand with money that they had from the government. Mm-hmm. Fall quickly. I think. Yeah. I think a lot of you know. I think you'll see a, a lot of that in the next coming months and years. And yep, it, it, it's weird to know. Honestly, like we got the money and we use it only for the purposes of feeding our, you know, paying our employees and then doing any sort of like, you know, PPE and sort of like very strict on what we can spend it on that money on. Yeah, and it's been, it has been. We, I, I feel like we would have made it without it. But it certainly was, as soon you know, it was a giant help.
0: Yeah. So when, how long were you closed for?
1: We were only closed for about a month before we that's started not doing too bad. curbside, I mean, that's, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: And did the curbside stuff work for you?
1: It worked initially, yeah. but then people just got tired of it really yeah. quickly. And yeah. you know, but Mobile's a small town, and so like, uh, if all of our neighbors come by and grab something, you know, you, I'm not gonna see them for like another week or whatever. You right.
0: It wasn't consistent. It, it and really didn't. It wasn't consistent. Yeah. You
1: know, but it was something. Yeah. You know, and it certainly wasn't consistent enough to get you know, to meet the case minimums of what we need to order from you know yeah, our, from our just, your purveyors. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the like, sorry. Know, yeah.
0: <laughs> how how big is uh, the hummingbird way? You
1: we mean, have um, about 60 seats inside and a patio that can seat about 30. So a good okay, medium-sized yeah. restaurant. It's not a small restaurant, but yeah. it's not some 300-seat behemoth. Either. Yeah, yeah. 60 so is good. And, yeah. then, and,
0: and and you can do, I mean, you know, if you can get to 90, that's on a, on a nice day. And plus your weather's amazing. So, I mean, you can use your patio probably, what, like, 10 months out of the year, maybe? If well,
1: it, it gets to be too hot to eat oh, outside. Oh, so in the summer. Yeah, yeah. Well, we get <laughs> yeah. we get
0: that too here. It's like in, in the middle of like yeah. July or August. August yeah. It's a little brutal to yeah. even be outside. Like you can't breathe. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, at Mobile is that for sure. And yeah. so, but no. You can like, get those like little spray
0: fans with the, uh, the <laughs> mister. Like. The mister, yeah.
1: <laughs> but, you know, this year has been so crazy because you're know, like in December, people are wanting to sit outside and we don't even have to turn like the patio heaters on, you know, right. like, and so. We Get a longer, I really from like now is a great patio season for us, you know. But it, as soon as it hits May, it's going to be like, people are going to be like, Where's the air conditioner immediately? Ooh, it's right, you know, a yeah. 100 degrees and 100 percent humidity outside, and it's like walking into soup as soon as you step out the door. But <laughs> I that, that that's the, that's the south, that's that's yeah, everywhere, I, right yeah. There, you just right? got to deal
0: with it, like, yeah. Um, what uh, let's talk, let's get back to food a little bit, yeah. yeah. I want to talk about your menu, yeah. Um, what. What, what are the, what is the stuff on your menu right now? That's like, that you're super proud of. That's inspiring you that you're like, you know, like I think as chefs, like we're always kind of like evolving, you know, at least the good ones are trying to like, you don't just do the same thing over and over again. You're like, yeah. kind of like, yeah. Hey, what, you know, what, what, what dishes has got you pumped right now?
1: Yeah. There are several on our menu that I really love. <clears throat> our, our restaurant is, is kind of unique too, in that we do offer a tasting menu every single night. And so we have an a la carte menu and a five course tasting menu every night available, and we're super flexible with it. Like, I remember we're dining in New York in like the 2000s and 90s, like tasting menu or nothing or yeah. tasting menu or a la carte. And there's no, but you know, like if somebody really wants to get the the oyster with caviar on the tasting menu, that's fine. We'll we'll, we'll sell you a caviar oyster. Or they, you know, like, yeah. if one person at your party wants to have a tasting menu and the other person doesn't, that's fine. I'm cool with that too. I, yeah. It makes it kind of weird. Uh, yeah, the sometimes timing's for difficult. The timing, but, you know, I'm willing to, you know, to take that weirdness on to make it, to make it work right. But um, there are things like I really want, I could not find Uh, There are really great Asian restaurants in that part of the country because there's a giant Vietnamese population there. Lots of them after the Vietnam War moved to New Orleans, Mobile, Houston, that kind of area Mm -hmm. has a giant Asian population that's really inspires the dishes. But I was having a hard time in Mobile finding a good curry and so I was like, you know, like okay, here, here, here it comes. I'm, yeah, you know, we, we, I, he's going you know, like, down the rabbit hole. We're going down the rabbit hole, yeah. <laughs> and so um, we we do a whole fried flounder with like a, a red kind of curry with you know peanuts and lots of mint and d- d- basil and you know it's a a one pound whole fried fish that's got this awesome. I mean, we usually do either clams or mussels in the curry as well. And so that's a dish that I I really love, and it's really just born of. I really wanted some curry and yeah, yeah. Uh, it was one of those you're things. Like, nobody's like,
0: doing curry and I need it. Yes. I
1: this example. Something ended up on the menu because I wanted it on. I wanted to eat it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but then people like it so much. They have the same sort of reaction that I do. It's become one of those things. That it's, it's, it's hard to take off the menu because people come in just for the curry.
0: Yep. Um, that's awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's one of the things you're you, surprised. You're like, oh, we have a wedge salad. I mean, it's sort of the same thing. Like I, it's a wedge salad. It's a great wedge salad. But it's still, it's a romaine lettuce salad that yeah. we grill. You know, it's a little bit unique. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, you, a great you put, sa- you
0: put like your little, your little like, tweak on it, but it's like, some, it, some, it is what you think it yeah,
1: is. It's sometimes <laughs> surprising what people grow to love at your restaurant. You know, like, I know. would I have ever thought that my wedge salad would one of those things that people are like, come to the restaurant for a wedge yeah. salad? No. I hate to bring <laughs> it to you, Jim. It's
0: not your wedge salad. <laughs> They're going to come that, for the wedge. They're going to come that's for true. the because they do it to us that's too. That's true.
1: That's true. <laughs> And I, that's
0: absolutely true I, but 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 i do want to ask you you, yeah. you touched on something Is like do you find your regular guests or guests that have start to they they trust you to do interesting and cool stuff where they'll come in and say okay chef like give me something new today like like what, what should i have right like you yeah. know what i like i yeah. come i come every like a couple times a month if yeah, you find that they do, happening they do
1: i i find that i'm one of those chefs like you and i grew up sort of in the same kind of kitchens cooking i mean like you are obviously much nicer kitchens than i grew up cooking in but (laughs) at the same time there was there was a feeling you know when we were learning to be chefs that it was the chefs would hide they would stay in the kitchen they would not leave you would have your front of the house person like talk to the tables and like chefs could hide in the kitchen and not interact with people Mm -hmm. and that's okay and sometimes you know like if half your staff doesn't show up and you're being you know, I'm working sauté station <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know like I'm yeah, not going to yeah. go talk to people after that but right. for me I feel like chefs have to be in the dining room and you know, like I usually work the pass and that is really easy to then sort of like you, you know where all the tables are and what they're eating you know who you need to talk to you can look around the corner you know you're you're talking to the servers and then you go and you talk to the I like to go to every table especially like while they have their entrees mm-hmm. and just sort of like talk to them you know uh about what they've had you know like you know this sort of like I, when they get their entrees, that's what i yeah, like to talk to them yeah, but yeah, yeah. i do find that when i want to put something like interesting and like super creative and things like will people in this town buy this you know like i, I it may require some selling of some of it but ultimately you usually find out that they'll 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 buy those kind of things. I mean, I, you know, not, not a super revolutionary dish, but I remember like I was making like a, you know, scallop pasta, you know, people use that technique where you put the scallops in the blender and you add xanthum and then you mm-hmm. cryo back them and sous vide it and you make like noodles out of it. And I was like, oh, I want to do that dish. I've never done that before. I want to try to make that, I got that kind of addition. So yeah, I made that dish and, uh, you know, when you say when you put scallop pasta on a menu, people are going to think about a certain thing, they're not going to think, Oh, they're, they're going to think scallop this is-
0: noodles. Yes, they're not going to think the yes. noodles yes. are scallop, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're thinking angel hair with seared scallops. Yes, absolutely right, right. And so,
1: you know, you, you, you realize that sometimes you have to push the guests in that direction, but mm-hmm. once they grow to trust you, they're willing to do the kind of stuff that you want them to do, mm-hmm. and so. Yeah, I find that people will trust. And the same with, with wine, too. Like, a, I really care a lot about our wine program. And, you know, I try to do things like, yes, my restaurant, we can sell $300 bottles of Napa Cab all day. And, you know, but that's, I, I love those wines, but I'm more interested in, you know, like, are, you know, can I convince somebody to order this, you know, the bottle of wine that's the same price from, you know, some odd sub region of the Burgundy. You know what I mean? Like something that people may have never heard of or interested in, or, you know, like, you know, the Slovenian wine or, you know, like a, and I find that people, once you, once you get their trust, you can push them where you want, where you, where you want to take your food.
0: Yeah. What, what is, what is it that interests you about those obscure things, regions, techniques, things like that, 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 that you like to try to bring to the table. Yeah.
1: I mean, for me, it's it's all about learning and knowledge and continuing to adapt. And it's like you said a, a second ago, the good chefs are always evolving. Like mm-hmm. you can never think, okay, like, oh yeah, these are my ten dishes. I'm gonna make those ten dishes at every restaurant for the rest of my life. <laughs> right. If if that's what you're doing, I you know, I feel sorry for you. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like that gets, you, sounds yeah. boring and like sad <laughs> <Yeah>. to me. <laughs> yes, it's exactly boring and sad. <laughs> but yeah, it's all about, you know, continuing to press yourself and to learn and to open up, you know, new ideas and flavors and trying new things. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes it is difficult. I, on a serious note, um, you know, the food that I make has roots in Southern cuisine. You know, mm-hmm. Southern cuisine has roots in, you know, the slave trade. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like it is very hard and it's a very serious issue. You know, like I would never call food that I make soul food. But do we serve right. collard greens in my restaurant? Absolutely. Yeah. Do mm-hmm. we serve things? Do we serve grits? Yes, absolutely. You know, and things that are you know, my, my food history are tied up in things that are disgusting. And it's a really hard line to walk, you know, like.
0: When you say tied up in things that are disgusting, elaborate on that. Yeah. Well, you know, because I like that. Yeah,
1: (laughs) absolutely. Well, you know, like I fried okra, one of my Mm -hmm. favorite things we serve when okra season's in, we serve it at the restaurant. But, you know, the only reason why there is okra here is because of the slave trade directly from Africa. And, you know, like it's hard, you know, like, as a you know white guy um it's hard to know where you know like where paying homage you know stops like where embracing my food heritage stops and yeah. where like using it to
0: like appropriation of appropriation. somebody yeah. Yes. yeah you know like <clears throat> that's a, there's a line there for a, sure there's a real line there and it's like, a little blurry <clears throat> it
1: is blurry and it's hard to know and so like i have started using and things like uh, I've started using berry berry spice, which is not an American ingredient. That is straight up, you yeah. know, an African ingredient. Yep. And I really have started using it just because it tastes so freaking great. You so know what I, I have mean? it. Like, I
0: have it. We have it yeah. in our restaurant, too. Yeah. And I'll tell you. So being in Charleston, we share a lot of that. Yeah. That um, kind of heritage. Right. And I decided when we opened here like seven, eight years ago, I was like, First of all, I didn't I didn't know anything about low country cooking or Gullah Geechee like yeah. culture. Like I knew nothing about. It. I'm from the north. Yeah. Like I don't I don't know anything about it. And so um, to try to you know all of our menus vary a little bit based on wh- what location they're in. And so I kind of went, did this like deep dive into that whole West African slave culture history, um, and really it was about just kind of like. Scratching the surface to learn a little bit about how some of the shit got here. Yeah. Like, how did rice get here? Yeah. How did, Like, rice didn't start here. Yeah. Okay. That got brought <laughs> yes. over. Yeah. And as a result of, of trade and stuff. And, and um, so anyways, point being is that, like, I have very, very spice. I don't serve, like, low country yeah. cuisine. but I, But I like to use accents of that in my cooking because... Um, it tells the story right it 's yeah, the evolution yeah. it 's the same way that that our country evolves, right It's like your cooking evolves based out of the experiences and the the history that you that you have and so you know, I start to like dabble in that stuff like i I never cooked with field peas, yeah until I moved to the south, yeah. like we don 't eat that in Boston like yeah you don't eat field peas, <laughs> you eat baked beans, yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying um but I love field peas, and they're amazing and there's so many varieties with yeah. different textures and things and so you know so that's a result of that right like learning like oh okay th- this stuff came from africa let's let's um you know that's a huge part of our history here let's learn how to cook with it yeah right
1: yeah no i, I feel the same way too and i never really try to like <clears throat> it's not like i'm would ever like try to take like and or maybe maybe i might i mean I, I i have curry on my menu but it's it's weird to know it's just weird to know you know like where how to how to pay respect and homage you know like my wife is uh from china and so Lots of Chinese ingredients find their way into my cooking, but I'm definitely not cooking the with Asian, those ingredients. You're not cooking Asian food. The way in which like yeah. she cooks with them at home is right. very different than what I do with them, and uh-huh. so it's it is.
0: Does your wife do the cooking?
1: At home, yeah, yeah, mostly.
0: And it, 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 what is her cooking like?
1: Well, she is a Chinese citizen. She is. Um, uh, she was born and raised, and she moved to the United States for college for okay. graduate school.
0: So and, was she was she like? 19 or no, older or, than that she had okay. an under she for graduate oh, okay. school yeah oh, okay okay yeah so for graduate school in the states like in her um, 20s or something yeah. she moved here okay yeah.
1: and um she's from wuhan uh, originally okay uh, and her family is all still there and um but she does most of the cooking at home and honestly i you know like chinese food at home but for most of the cooking is always a welcome for me and yeah. i mean chefs understand this too is like i really don't want to go home and feel like I just went back to work. Yeah. And you know, it's it sucks <laughs> cooking at home. I tell people this all the time too. Like when you're in a commercial restaurant, your equipment is like real and your <laughs> your pots and pans are the right size. And you know, you have a cutting board that you can actually cut stuff on. It's not right. like a, a three inch square.
0: <laughs> right. And so it doesn't spill out onto the countertop. Yeah, and like-
1: yeah. When you're when you're cooking for me, when I'm cooking at home, everything feels like you're using an easy bake oven. And yeah, yeah. not only do I not want to feel like I'm at work, but it's just hard to do stuff. Well, excuse me, some of my teeth. It's hard to do stuff. It's hard to do stuff. Well, or the way you want to, when you're like cooking on an easy bake oven, like, right. you like, I live in an apartment. We have an electric range, you know, like I know that not a good one. There are are plenty of great electric ranges out there, but not not what I have. And so, (laughs) you know, like, uh, it's just, I don't know.
0: So, so what's her cooking like? I want to know. I want to know, like, I want to know what she, what she, what she cooks for you. And like, how it's how it sizes up Is yeah it-
1: we eat lots of vegetables for sure um we eat lots of like sauteed greens and garlic you know there's a lot of we eat lots of noodles mm-hmm. um and, uh, and and for any wheat or rice uh, both all of it Oh, okay yeah. so any
0: noodle yeah you guys are all about it
1: Yeah, instant noodles for people listening there are amazing instant noodles out there like and you're really looking for the ones like if you have an asian market and you have the, an instant noodle that's like a bag um it's almost nine times out of ten delicious you know? okay. like it's way it's like not mentor ramen but you can get like awesome like pre-made like stuff that what people eat in china for home you have various noodles and yeah. and it's
0: better than what we know oh, as, as ramen as, yes it's, like, it's so much better it's yeah, yeah. wildly
1: you know, like you throw an egg in there and a piece of bacon and you like have an awesome awesome meal you yeah know? And she cooks a lot. we eat a lot of like a congee and sort of some traditional kind of does stuff. she cook
0: mostly like chinese yeah yeah okay she
1: does try to cook we have an air fryer now too and so she, she started playing, she with, playing some, with some air fryer stuff <laughs> yeah you know? how's that going uh, it's okay yeah <laughs> it's okay uh, you know I, I tried to use air fryer. the first time i tried to use air fryer was i was like yeah high temperature yeah. convection i was like i'm gonna put a pizza in there do, do not try <laughs> yeah. to put a pizza in your air fryer at home <laughs> it's, uh, it does
0: not work very well that's amazing uh, my, my brother has an air fryer and i was out <laughs> visiting like last year or something and he's like uh, i thought it was a coffee maker yeah. i didn't know what it was i'm like what is this thing he's like that's an air fryer he's like you ever use one i was like never right and he's like well why don't you try to like do something there i was like uh no <laughs> like i'm not gonna put it in your your little kitchen robot yeah. thing like i'm gonna cook the way chefs do, like on a range, yeah. you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, that's funny, cool. All right. Um, oh, so so back to the the like Asian ingredients, yeah, Chinese yeah. ingredients, kind of showing up in your cooking, like a yeah. little bit, but um, but you don't cook kind of like a um,
1: not not usually. Yeah. But things like like if say for instance, you know, she brings home some awesome chili oil, and you know, like the ingredients to like are, are out there for me to make like a version of that chili oil yeah. I and mean, like our chili crisp or whatever kind of like cool chili thing that's Asian and spread Chinese that has made it over to the market. You know, like I'll, I will add those in, in ways that are not for sure the way in which Chinese people cook. with
0: that. Right, it. right. They'd be like, what are you doing with that?
1: But what I find is that uh, American diners, they, they, just never exposed to some of these tastes and they're like what is that thing that makes this dish so good and you can say oh well you know that's the chili oil, or that's Mm -hmm. the berry berry spice or you know it's that's the you know the the whatever it is that you know we're taking and incorporating and you know are you know i i don't don't know it's tough you know like uh yeah you want to pay respect to the ingredients and you want to treat them in ways and you want to introduce people to flavors that they've never had but that is sort of like one of those daily struggles with me and that's what that's how it ties back to the sort of like where do you draw the line you know like you know if two uh white dudes who are from uh, you know michigan you make one trip to nashville and they decide this nashville chicken thing is the best thing i've ever had and they decide to Go and open up a franchise of Nashville hot chicken places and open fifteen of them across the country. You're like that to me seems like the shadiness. Yeah, you know, like or were they just inspired? You know, like that's that. To me, but it's still it's way more the shadiness. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like it's way more the shadiness. Right. And it's hard to know. <laughs> you know, another thing, and you're being someone who had had a farm or has a farm. You know, like if I go to somebody's restaurant and they say that they're growing stuff that's on their menu, I give them some serious side eye because like if, if you say that you're growing stuff on, the restaurant grounds. And I, I, I pulled up to your restaurant. I see your restaurant yeah. grounds.
0: Where, show me. Show me. Like, show me where those tomato yes. plants are because I know that they yes. take some space. If, if
1: you're talking about that that <laughs> pot of time you have at the front yeah, door, yeah, like does, I know that. doesn't count. That does not count. Every <laughs> restaurant has a pot of time at the front door yeah. and anyone who tries to grow mint in their backyard knows that restaurants, you need like an acre of mint, you know, <laughs> yeah. a month. You can't yeah. be like, your little raised bed with your three mint plants has lasted like five minutes in the restaurant. You know, like you can't, like, and don't try to, don't try to make it seem like you're some revolutionary in the restaurant business because yeah. you have a few flower pots in your backyard. That's no, that is not you know like that is taking something that people need to focus on, something that's really important to all of us moving forward to make sure that we have sustainable food in the future. And then like just sort of like paying lip service and making your Instagram post, you know, like to me that's just a load of crap, you yeah. know, like and it really it makes it makes me mad. You
0: yeah, know? totally, it makes me mad. I mean, that's I mean part of the reason um that we, so I'm glad you touched on my farm. I don't have it anymore by the way. We sold it in the pandemic. That was like when we closed all the restaurants. I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> what yeah. what am I going to do with this, you know, 6 acres? Um, we did it legit. Yeah. And um and and the reason for that was like because the purpose of that was not so that I could put the, put it on my menu, right? Not to yeah. advertise it. For me, that was about the evolution. It's about how do like I'm so wrapped up in where I'm at, right, and and using local ingredients and stuff like that. I need to understand this yeah. better. Yeah, I need to. I have to. I have to know how this works, and um, and understand the ingredients better. Because um, I mean, I needed some inspiration, and so getting your hands dirty that way, man. Like that. I, I had the farm for three years. We we grew on it for two yeah. two full seasons, and I mean, it was fucking huge. I mean, yeah. we had four plots that were a hundred feet uh, long by, I think they were 30 feet wide. So we had like six rows on each plot and they were a hundred feet long.
1: Farm work is hard. Dude, it's no <laughs> fucking joke. It's a hard and, work.
0: And, and so in the style of farming that we did, because I was concerned about, yeah. um, about sustainability yep. was like human scale mm-hmm. is what we called it. So like we didn't want to have tractors. We did not want to have machinery doing the work. Like it all had to be work that we could do with our hands. Um, we did have like a little walk behind tractor thing that was an amazing tool for making beds and shit. Holy smokes! Um, I got introduced to that. So that that thing was great but like, but everything was like hand tools. I mean, yeah. it was hand weeders, hose, like all that stuff. So it took a lot of time.
1: Yeah. And like, if you're moving your chicken pins to area to aerate your land or whatever, you like, that like, yeah. that's work. Yeah. That is, that it's a, real yeah, yeah, labor. It's a, yeah. They,
0: they don't do it themselves. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's got to do that. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so, so that was amazing. And, um, I highly recommend to anybody, especially chefs that like, if you have a farmer that, that you're cool with, or that you use like if you can spend a day off helping out there just like doing whatever yeah i mean i remember so that's how it started for me right as i started just going out and um, helping one of my farmer buddies um, just to learn about what yeah. he did and like digging the potatoes and like like stuff like that i was like potatoes are already yeah. in the middle of summer yeah okay <laughs> so like when you start digging potatoes it's like august yeah it's you know september it's hot as shit you're you're covered in dirt you know, um, and, and you're doing it by hand. Like we didn't have machines yeah. to like, you know, just pull them out of the ground. So, yeah. so you know, it, it created that appreciation for the ingredient that changed the way I cook. Right. So like now I remember pre kind of top chef days, I was very motivated about being creative with my food and trying to come up with the coolest combinations and techniques and things like that, because um, that's just what I was doing. And then you know, fast forward to like now after the farm and stuff, like it's all about the ingredient. It's like, how yeah. do I, what am I trying to do with this to make it the best version of itself? And like, and deliver that to my guest. Oh, that's and that's, awesome. A that's fucking, an awesome place to start. And it's a hard challenge. It is. Man, yeah. like trying to make just like a carrot <laughs> blow yeah. somebody's mind. Yeah. is fucking hard. It is. Because like, we're used to this bullshit from the restaurant or from the, um, from the, the grocery store. Yeah. Right. That is not an organic from the ground, earthy terroir carrot. Yeah. It's like some watery, crispy piece of cardboard. Yeah. Yeah. It's not inspiring. Yeah. But if you get a local carrot that's been organically raised without like all this stuff and like has been out of the ground for 24 hours. Yeah. You can taste the layers. Oh, yeah, it, yeah,
1: you can taste it. it yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Can, absolutely. The terroir is a great way to describe describe mm-hmm. it for sure. You know, you can taste it in the sweetness. I mean, that's the one thing that people don't like, the sweetness of an awesome carrot. You know, yeah. you just maybe not even think about that, you know, right. but you're you're right. What's available in the grocery stores is nine times out of ten trash. You know, it's a yeah. giant commodity farming and it's a really huge problem in America globally, you know, is the commodity farming. You no 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 that actually you know i'm I'm kind of excited like one thing that i'm super passionate about and i'm in the process of opening a, a, a farm myself but it's not a uh at least it's not as initially going to be like a farm for um for growing vegetables or animals or whatever where i'm definitely making a compost farm like i'm shopping oh, cool. for land right now
0: nice um and also hard work
1: also hard work and i'm just gonna start <laughs> i'm just gonna start with the restaurant you yeah. know and um and what we'll do is, you know, it's really infuriating because lots of places don't really have good recycling programs. And where I live in Mobile, there is no, no one is even thinking about co- co- composting at all. Yep. And, you know, restaurants produce so much compostable waste that all it's ends amazing. up in landfills. It's crazy. Restaurants are the biggest, one of the biggest problems with landfill overcrowding, just because all of the stuff that could we could be composting ends up in the landfills. And when it's in with all that other non-compostable stuff, it creates really bad stuff environmentally like yes. the gases are wrong the yep. you know like it's causing things not to break down the right way yep and so restaurants like i really it's hard to know like if you put your plastic in the recycling bin does it really get recycled you know is, is it really doing much environmental good one thing you, that you will really do know as it's anyone who works in the restaurant industry is there is lots of stuff that goes in that trash can. You know, if a, if a head of lettuce didn't make it in time, you know, it's, you can't really save something like a watery piece of lettuce, but can you find some use for it that can be beneficial down the road? And you're like, well, if it's going in the landfill, it's not doing anything, but if it's going in your compost bin, at least, you know, that it's, you know, you're paying it forward that, that head of lettuce, at least a little bit, you yes. know, and uh, I'm really excited about it. It's something that's going to be a little bit difficult for sure. Yes. Um, but I, you know, I, it, you know, things that are difficult are often so, the most rewarding, you know? So
0: we did, we did composting at our farm and that, man, that, that shit is hard, man. Yeah. So I ended up buying um, like those big roller bins yeah. like, for your trash, right? Yeah. With the lid. And we had one of those in, in the kitchen and I had one at the farm. So it was on a rotation. And about, and we filled that thing up, dude. Like it, it got filled by four days. Yeah. And it was like full with, and, and it's heavy. Yeah. I'm talking like maybe two or 300 pounds, yeah. maybe more. We had 500, but I don't know. It was hard for me to roll the damn thing. Yeah. And like we would load that thing on the back of my truck, take it to the farm and dump it into our compost bin. And then we turned it by hand. Yeah. But the coolest part about that is that we used zero um, uh, organic matter, bought like purchased organic matter to fertilize our farm. Yeah. The second season that we opened, it was all byproduct from you know, waste, the stuff that would have been garbage. Yeah. um, We turned it into product that we served at the restaurant. Yeah. By fertilizing our carrots and our greens and all that stuff. It was amazing. So what's your plan for that? Like, so what is it, what does this look like to you?
1: Yeah. Well, my my plan is to, well, I'm definitely gonna use small bins instead of big ones.
0: Smart. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That's smart. Do that. uh, Small bins (laughs) for sure.
1: Um, But yeah, I mean, my plan is to start with maybe like a, it's hard to know. Like I, like, how much poundage of waste that is, you know, compostable come out of the restaurant every day? Yep. Is it 300 pounds? Is it 100 pounds? I really don't know. Yeah. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, that is my plan. Ultimately, I would like to, if I find that it works well and I can recruit other people, I would like to, you know, get the other restaurants locally involved and, mm-hmm. you know, picking them up. Initially, the business, this is going to be me as the truck driver taking Mm. the compost to the to the the compost farm yep um but eventually i would like it to be uh, to to be a business i mean ultimately i've got to find some way to make it work and if that involves selling the compost on the back end or or what that's what's that's what's going to happen because you know eventually hopefully i'm gonna need employees and you know right uh, something to package the compost in you know and so i want it to be a business um if it ends up not being a business and being like a, a, a project a nonprofit or a, or a yeah. project, you know, but I think that especially in Alabama, it's probably going to need to be a business to work. Right. Um, just because the way it's, it's not like a, you know, California where there's like people, there's a line of people out the door for like, compost startups or you know things like that you know like uh it's uh you know in alabama i'm gonna have to do some selling i'm gonna i'm really gonna have to convince people that i'm not some hippie trying to take their their leftover lettuce out of the trash can you know like um but that's that's largely what like my sustainability is that same thing right yeah you got to convince people that it's good for them Yeah. you know in a non-hippie sounding way to, you know, to do things that are good for the world around us. You, know, you, know, like, yeah. you wouldn't think it's such a hard sell, but a lot of times it is. You know, as soon as people think you're coming at them with some leftist agenda, they, <laughs> they immediately shut you down. But you know, like, uh, <laughs> if you explain to them like, hey, you may never be able to fish for red snapper in the next 10 years unless you get your act together, they kind of understand. You know? yeah, like, yeah. But yeah. What do you
0: mean no more snapper? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'll stop dumping my stuff into the ocean.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's my plan for this. And I am really excited about it. I am super excited about it. And you know, like, uh, it's something I really want to do. Like it, you know, chefs, you know, we used to walk around with buckets and say like, oh, you know, like, uh, you know, if you're looking at your line cooks, bucket Mm -hmm. bin on their station, you see that there's a quarter of that onion that they didn't use it well enough, you know, and you want it to be more than like, what's just going into the, the the stockpile or whatever you're, whatever you're doing, you know? Uh, you know chefs would yell at you for the waste that was in your bucket and yeah. you know for me i would rather you know like waste is inevitable at restaurants you yeah. know like obviously you want to use as much as possible at your restaurant the first time but so much of it is food that's coming back uneaten and if you like for me you know in alabama the restaurant in the south we serve giant portions of stuff like some of it is like cartoonishly big you know like i will serve a bone less you know, two pound ribeye. You know what I mean? Like I, you know, we will serve, we, yeah. we, will, we will make like a, you know, a one pound whole fried fish on a plate. You know, yeah. like we do a lot of that in my restaurant. And you know, ultimately there's a lot of food, even if people love it, you know, by the time they get to their entree, which is a two pound steak, you know, either they take it home or they don't. And so doing something with what people don't take home has become important to me.
0: You yeah. Know? That's awesome. I'm excited about that project. I can't wait to hear more about it um, and pick your brain about it and how it goes and stuff. Cause once you start, once you start (laughs) wheeling that compost around, I want to, I want to follow back and see how that's going. Um, But it's super rewarding. It's just, it's, it is hard work, you know, and, but you do get that also the feel good part of it, which is that, you know, that you're doing something right. Yeah. You know, even if it's hard or maybe doesn't make money or whatever, it's the right thing to do for you. Right. Um, cool. Well, listen, we've been been chatting for about an hour. Okay. Um, We got to go get ready for, I've got (laughs) some events to get ready for. I Yeah, I do for sure. Um, Is there anything else you want to share with anybody you got going on that's exciting?
1: Yeah, there's this one last exciting thing. I won't talk about it too much, but um, I've been in development with this company that's called WineView. I do own a little bit of this company, um, but it's an app. Uh, And it's kind of like a a wine education app for both consumers and restaurant people. So, you know, like if you're looking for your your next toast integration, uh, hit up WineView for server training and, you know, inventory <laughs> management. And uh, it's really cool to, you know, I've been working with this company. Wine is a huge passion of mine, and has been for it really as long as I've been in the industry. But it's fun. I'm excited about that, too. I'm excited. I have some non-directly restaurant things that are going on. I'm super excited about Like, this Wineview app is really cool. It, I mean, you know, we just launched it. Yeah. Uh, but it's really cool, and it's still a compost farm. And I do, I do other—I'm constantly on the lookout for new restaurants and spaces and, you know— I, you know, like I should talk to you about how to, how to open a restaurant in a different town, (laughs) you know, like, uh, it's hard, even if it's a close town, you know, I, I know it's difficult, but, uh,
0: I mean, the biggest problem is like the, the only issue that I see really with doing it is like is having great people working with you right like yeah. you have to be able yeah. to you have to be able to rely on others you have to be able to trust people to do stuff and that's hard i think it as is. chefs It's for hard us to for chefs
1: do. to give that up Yeah um,
0: and that that's been the hardest thing for me Yeah um luckily i have a team who's who's just critical to yeah. what we're doing and I have a team that's been with me for a long time. You know, like we didn't just blow up overnight. It's been a decade that we've been working towards where we're at and the team's developed along yeah. the way. And, and now it's, it's to the point where you realize I have to do more for, for them yeah. because their, their growth is, you know, is, is outgrowing what I, can, yeah. what I can offer. Yeah, you're hindering. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'm hindering not, You're hindering their growth if you're yeah. on the pass every night. Yeah. Right? Like you exactly. need to
1: give them the reins, you know, yeah. let them recognize that that steak is overcooked and Ugh. need to tell the, the line cook to, to start over. That's right. You need somebody else to be able to do that. Exactly. right? Exactly. Uh,
0: so that, that would be my, that would be my yeah. main,
1: <laughs> my good, main advice. advice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Try to try to find a team that you just, that you need to have, you know, yeah. uh, we're running a place. So cool. Um, I think that's all I got for you, man. It's really great to see you. Yeah. Well,
1: thank you so much for having me on. It's yeah, been man. a pleasure to catch up and uh, to talk restaurant related stuff and oh
0: yeah well and and i think people are going to love this episode because oh, you good. if i recall <laughs> if, if sheldon was not on our season you definitely would have won fan favorite like, there's I no like, question i like to tell myself that <laughs> yeah <laughs> no 100 <100%. laughs> you were definitely a fan favorite i think just sheldon you know he's just such an amazing person and, and stole the show on that
1: yeah, our cast of top chef was so incredible so awesome yeah i was like like you well you especially have the, the 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 disadvantage of being on two All Star seasons only. I know, right? Like, uh, come on, like, yeah,
0: like, <laughs> right, I got you see suckered. some
1: of these, some of these All newbie seasons, you're yeah. like, man, I wish I had been in that group. Like, yeah, like I not, could totally crush yeah, it. Not to talk crap about those people, no, but you no. know, like, when you're dealing with Sheldon and Brooke and Shirley and like and, like yeah. the best people who have ever been on Top Chef, yeah. you're like, it's, and you're you know,
0: like, I don't know what I'm doing. This <laughs> yeah. is gonna be fun. Wait, this is
1: a camera, okay? <laughs> yeah. like, like, okay, wait, it's okay.
0: Oh. But yeah,
1: no, wait, I, I love our season. I love catching up with you. And yeah, man, it's been really, really good
0: talk cool yeah. good to see you bud yeah, yeah, thank, you. thank you all right